So, I mean, something that I realized when doing this is how lucky that I am to live in a time where mental health is a topic that we're all at least aware of. Hi there, I'm Marilyn, and welcome to the Viva America podcast. After traveling with my family to all 50 states, I am fascinated by the stories this country has to tell, the good ones and the bad ones. And people are always asking us about our adventures and the places that we've visited. The Viva America podcast won't just share the morbid, terrifying, and haunting stories of this nation, but the inspirational, wholesome, and inspiring stories as well. Balance is good. Join my son Cameron and I as we reflect on the places that we have visited and share stories that fascinate us, or horrify us, or inspire us or fill us with despair, or make us want to head out on another adventure. I guess we can just get started. Let's throw in a makeshift introduction in the middle, since we've never really done that. Um, Okay. So I'm Cameron, and that's my mom. Yes, I am his mom. I'm Marilyn. (laughs) We're working this out. Uh, Welcome to the Viva America podcast, everyone. Yeah. Today, I'm not sure if this is a pretty stereotypical episode. I I just want to get all of this out of my head is what I keep telling you. And wow, 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 wow. I'm so excited to just get this out. <laughs> and I've spent 12 to 24 hours reading about this place and I'm tired of it. And it's just so dark and it's just been bringing me down and I want to get it away from me. You need to take these pages after we record today and like burn them. Or yeah, something. I guess so. So, I mean, the last few weeks, I feel like I feel like I've run on a string of bad luck. Um, <laughs> the holidays have been kind of rough. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna choose to blame this damn place because oh, okay. I feel like everything bad, anything that surrounds this place, turns out to be bad. And ever mm. since I started looking up this place, shit has started going wrong. I'm not saying anything. Okay. But, I mean, I am saying something, but I'm not saying it's true. You know, the holidays were rough. I uh, didn't get to, I only got to spend a few days with you guys, which was a little annoying. But, you know, COVID sucks, which I think we yeah. all know. COVID does suck. I think I think everyone's kind of going through it right now. So, yeah, let, let's go to, I don't even know, one of the centers of bad energy that must be, like, radiating this stuff. Okay. Oh, I wasn't even like planning to find somewhere dark or macabre or anything like that. I was just looking for places on my drive from Tallahassee to Columbia, South Carolina. And I was scrolling and scrolling, scrolling. And, you know, there's like parks, there's forests, and then there's this giant building like that looks abandoned. I'm like, oh, that looks cool as hell. And <laughs> so I start looking at it and I find Central State Hospital in Milledgeville, Georgia, uh, which I did. I stopped by on my drive home. They have a driving tour. But this place is insane so we're about an hour outside of atlanta it's an almost abandoned menstrual institution almost Almost. there's still part of it that is still operational to this day i'll get more into that later i had never heard of this place this isn't necessarily one of those places they teach you about in history class or anything like that but if i'm gonna offer parallel i guess like if we're talking national parks the Channel Islands is just off the coast of California, but it's one of the least visited national parks in the U.S. because most people just don't know about it. Okay. This place is fucking horrible, but no one knows about it, and it's an hour outside of Atlanta. So okay. it's like, it's very accessible, and it, right. it has a very important past. Stories that definitely need to be told, 
but one of the repeated things that comes up during this story is that there isn't very many stories because it's a government thing and they just and especially i'm not sure if it's since it's still operational a lot of the records aren't out there but none of their records have been made public there is 20,000 to 30,000 people buried on the campus uh that have died either (laughs) employees that worked there or mostly patients most of them are buried anonymously most of these grave sites have been lost wow so this whole place is just like all the videos that you watch, it's like, oh, you could be walking on someone's grave right now, and we really don't know. Oh. It's horrible, horrible, horrible place. And I know, I know this may seem like a large claim that this place is so bad because I'm not trying to say that there's not bad stuff that has happened all across our country, but this place is just it, it more speaks to the magnitude of this place rather than okay. like trying to come off as ignorant towards other places. So I mean, something that I kind of thought about or like realized when doing this is how lucky that I am to live in a time where mental health is a topic that we're all at least aware of. Mm -hmm. Anyone before like a hundred years ago that had any serious mental health problem was just fucked. They were, they were screwed. They were just a madman or they were a witch or something like that. And they, um, which is kind of what this place turned into is just a dumping ground for people that other people didn't know what to do with them. Mm -hmm. And most of them, their families ended up just kind of abandoning them there there's some that have marked gravestones and things like that that their family put in money for but really not much right there was no health care back then at all it was just if you were sick you stayed home it was a lot easier to die in general this place has started in the 1840s okay so just think of everything that happens in science and mental health science between the 1840s and when it its major closure was in like 2010 oh so you have everything recent. everything between then Yeah, a lot of changes. Yes, you had massive, massive changes in science and mental health. Yeah. And this place was, I mean, it was already there. It was trying to keep up with all of this. So they had a really big effort to sort of make a museum out of this place and archive a lot of the information. COVID kind of shut all that down. Sure. There was a museum that when I was there, it looked like they were working on, but the place was empty when I was there. I mean, I was there like two days before Christmas or something like that. So I'm not surprised. But museum didn't look like it had ever been opened, really. I mean, it might have been opened briefly and then gotten closed down because of the pandemic. And the other thing I want to say is all the government sources that you'll find, they're they're very helpful. But they also don't go very much into the abuse and neglect that went on there because it puts a blemish on their name and everything. The place was made for people locked in sheds behind their houses, alcoholics, or those who were just in jail. (laughs) So America's first mental health act, like in general, the first time that mental health was ever acknowledged by the government was in 1946. The first mental health act to treat people with mental conditions for them rather than just locking them up. Um, It was strictly asylums before this. And this is 1946. You'd be a madman or a witch before that. And this place opened in 1842, Wow! over 100 years before that Mental Health Act and remains in some capacity to this day. There's a cemetery on the grounds that I went to that is believed to have over 30,000 people buried there. All the buildings are still there. um, Most of them are in decay and crumbling. You can see pictures of them online. We can post some on our Instagram and things like that. They're like crumbling. There's over 200 buildings on the campus, and it covers 20,000 acres. There's roads that go everywhere. And some of the buildings that are around the campus are still in operation, which 
I thought was really weird driving around because like, you have what does that mean? Still so so the weirdest example is like there's the one building that was the hospital back in the time, uh, and then right next to it was like the women's recovery dorms, and now there's just like one little wing of the building that's still standing there with a. I don't even know what's the, the plaque that okay. labels the original name of the asylum and okay. its historical marker. But like the rest of the building's gone. And now there's just an auditorium there that oh. some school uses. Oh. <laughs> but it's like, but there's still like a tiny wing of this original building standing there. And like, I don't know who's just going to play basketball there. Wow. But that place seemed, it, it's just weird. It's not seeing patients in any capacity though, right? No, it is. It oh. is. There, oh. There is um, a maximum security mental health prison, basically, that's still there for people that they huh. don't think they can release. Um, there's only a few hundred patients that are still there. And okay. at its peak, there was 12,000 patients on the campus. Wow. The buildings that are still in operation today, either on the campus or by um, Central State Hospital, are a retirement community, okay. <laughs> a veteran's home, okay. prisons that were shut down in 2014, oh, like, wow. like they were converted from part of the hospital to prisons when, okay. during the decline, and they were open until 2014. So like you can drive up and see these massive fences with barbed wire over the top, and it's yeah. just overgrowth all inside the prison, but they've, they only closed down eight years ago or something wow. like that and i don't even yeah. know what the hell happened in those places like yeah. <laughs> i'm sure yeah. it's not i'm sure it's not sunshine and rainbows in there either no but today we're only going to be talking about the hospital because that's all my poor brain can take okay. and i'm sure all of you guys are will probably feel the same way okay about that once we're finished i can't believe there's a retirement community there like who i know wants well to retire there i i i yeah but to give you a visual of it, it looks like a super large cliche mental asylum. Like it doesn't, I, I'm, <laughs> you can look up pictures of it. I took pictures when I was there. I like, I was wondering what, if I knew what it would look like when I drove up and you know exactly where you are okay. when you pull up, there's large columns and massive wings full of mental wards. You can't go into any of these buildings because they say that they are in really bad condition and unsafe, okay. which is probably true. A lot of them have been closed they, they like closed at different times. So it's really hard to keep track of which ones okay. were still, because there's some that, like I said, are still being used. Most of the windows are shattered and there's bars over the windows. It's a massive complex that it peaked in 1962 with 12,000 patients. Okay. There's over 200 buildings on 20,000 acres. This includes a fire station, greenhouse, electrical shop, train station, and an auditorium. So basically, the Central State Hospital was a city of its own, pretty much, with all okay. of these mental patients and the staff that worked there. In Milledgeville, there was a lot of times where the hospital had a larger population than Milledgeville did itself, so, but it was considered yeah, separate. Yeah, I mean, Milledgeville's not a very big town in and of itself. Yeah, so Milledgeville's a pretty small town in itself. At one point, it was actually the state capital of Georgia, which I didn't know that. It was in the early 1800s. They basically just... <laughs> They founded Milledgeville in the middle of the state. Like, I don't know if you paid any attention to, like, Brazil during the Olympics, how they made Brasilia, like, a city in the middle of nowhere, and then they made it their capital so that they would, like, promote growth out in the middle of nowhere. It oh, seems okay. to me like that's what they were trying to do, and it failed. How because, like, a, like a little bit later, they were like, so, this city, Atlanta, is much better. We should probably <laughs> make it the capital. 
That is interesting because I grew up in Atlanta and I had no idea it was ever not the capital of Georgia. Yeah. So Atlanta would become the capital in 1868, but until then, Milledgeville was the state capital. So at the time, in 1834, Governor Wilson Lumpkin decided that they needed to have somewhere to send all these crazy people because that's something that inevitably happens is when you your population starts to grow, especially in Georgia, where there was this really big urban hub growing in Atlanta, there was people that they needed to put somewhere and, and they were just getting sent to prison at this point. Yeah. There was there was people toying with the idea of like mental rehab and things mm-hmm. like that. But this was kind of the first effort to look like that. I really want to preface all this by saying there will be no shortage of abuse towards those that are mentally ill in this episode. Yeah. Um, I myself am diagnosed with anxiety and take medication for that. I'm not trying to be disrespectful and I'm going to try to be as uh, genuine and, and authentic towards all this as I can. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a story that needs to be told. Yeah. It's it's not a good one. Yep. Yeah. And I don't I don't even know the stories you're about to share, but I know I some stories of the history of how mental health patients were treated. And I can only imagine yeah. That, that you're well, that's the thing. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to be as, as like light but respectful as I can. Yeah. But also, the people that are in these stories were not being that. So yeah. that that's information I'm gonna share a little bit of. There's yeah. like I said, there's not as many firsthand like individual stories as much as it is just over like arching okay. big picture stuff. There's a lot of videos online of like urban explorers and ghost hunters going in here. Mm. I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I don't condone any of that so like the the reason they give you there is that there's like it's not safe and there's local authorities which is true i, I mean you see security going around everywhere it's a, like i said it's a massive complex like if okay. if i wanted to go explore abandoned ghost buildings this place would be it <laughs> my main reason i don't want to do it is because this place just seems so cursed to me i don't want anything to do with it <laughs> and i will remain <laughs> i will remain away from it at all costs okay and all right so let's let's do this let's do this all my information today comes from an online exhibit by the georgia libraries.net uh brochure from the georgia communities that i mentioned before and the driving tour that i took when i was there um as well as a recent article from the atlanta journal constitution that was written the atlanta journal constitution has something out for central state there's a lot of they have a lot of interactions throughout history but there is a story that they wrote when um the hospital was being shut down and it recapped a lot of the history and it was really useful for a lot of my research. So as I said before, the hospital started in 1834. At the time, Milledgeville was the state capital. So they founded what would be at large, one point the largest mental facility in the world at the then state capital. And it seems oddly symbolic to me that it's a failed capital and a failed mental facility <laughs> in the same place. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's not failed. I'm just dramatic. But... um. <laughs> So the place was built entirely with slave labor because we're in Georgia in the 1830s. Yep. More bad energy. It was on land that was taken from natives. Mm-hmm. They literally just wanted to make a city in the middle of the state. <laughs> and they, they made Milledgeville. They took the land from it. Apparently, it's on the edge of the Georgia frontier, which I didn't okay. even know was a frontier. Yeah. And it opened as the Georgia State Lunatic Asylum and advertised it being for lunatics, idiots, epileptics or other insane persons such a change in language over the years like because i i would believe that even calling it that at the time was not actually 
meant to be disrespectful, but now you're like, what? This is the most progressive place of its kind at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not. It's not like they were being disrespectful. They right. just, this was the first time anyone had been like, hey, maybe we should try to right. Right. like help these people. Yeah. Yes. So they had absolutely no clue what to do. They were just kind of locking these people up. Like mental mental health, the way I think about it is the curse of a civilized world. It's something that happens when you don't have the stress of fighting for your life every day. And they were just kind of figuring that out. This is the 1830s. The U.S. is only kind of just coming around. We haven't even dealt with the Civil War, let alone, or any of that. They had absolutely no clue what to do. A man named Philippe Pignel was the first to introduce the idea of treating psychiatric patients with care rather than cruelty. And he was around the late 1700s. So he was not much before this place was opened. And that was the first dude ever who's like, hey, maybe we shouldn't just kill everyone that, that comes in here. And this was the first time anyone had ever thought of this. So the first mental hospitals, the the practices that they would use, this isn't necessarily central state um, because there wasn't much like details of central state at the time. But one of the methods they would use is called magnet therapy, which they would give a patient a magnet and they'd they'd swallow it. They'd swallow a magnet, the magnet's in their stomach, and then the doctor would get another magnet and just drag the magnet around their stomach. Oh. And apparently it felt good. And that was it. That, that, was, that, was, that was literally it. And like, I, and there was all of these old practices. Yeah. I can't like, every time I would like look and be like, did it work? And they'd be like, there's no evidence to say that it worked. They, just, they were just doing things. They were literally just experimenting with things yeah. on these patients. I wonder what that would feel like if it's like a massage know. in your stomach. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think there was very many things that felt I mean, I don't think it would then. help... Um, my mental health uh, but i i, I Hell still no. wonder what it would be no like. no they're all the doctors at the time are like so we're gonna try to fix other things other than your mental health because that probably affects your mental health and that was sure. the way they think about it sure. which i mean like i guess you you got to take steps but yes yes oh my gosh and then there was hypnotism that they were doing pretty novel stages of hypnotism i don't there wasn't that's actually one of the not as bad ones <laughs> believe it or not well, and that's still something that is practiced today so. yeah it, well it's at some capacity and there is there is still things that they learned and there's a certain amount of learning that has to come yeah. from doing things wrong yes i mean that's still happening today yeah. in the world we're doing things wrong and the only way we're ever going to know is by doing it and learning so yeah so the idea of moral therapy which is like i guess the the foundation of modern therapy didn't come yeah. around until 1820 in the u.s at all the U.S. was literally just, if someone was crazy or someone was wrong with their head, they'd either kill them or lock them up. And the other thing I want to, I mean, this isn't just the government. This is like small frontier towns where yeah. if there's someone who's schizophrenic running around, yeah. they're probably just going to get killed. Right. They're not going to, no one's going to care enough to like sacrifice their own safety to help yeah. this person. Yeah. And they just really didn't give a shit about mental patients. Mm-hmm. So, and they needed somewhere to put them. So let's open an asylum in Milledgeville, I guess. Okay. So we're in 1842. There was a whole process where the government had like approved it and there was petitions to open a facility and all that. But the actual first patient was brought on December 15th, 1842, a man named Tillman Barnett of Bibb County, Georgia. He was brought chained to an ox cart, walked by his family from Macon. He was deemed violent and destructive. It's kind of all they had to say about him. And he died six months later due to maniacal exhaustion. What 
what is maniacal exhaustion the one of the interviews i watched said he crazied himself to death it, it seems to me he just screamed he probably just screamed until he was abused to death is what it seems like to me wow and this is this is the first patient ever at the hospital wow. died six yeah. months later and also became the first death at the hospital okay so we're off to a hot Great start, start. Yeah. we're off to we're hot and running feet on the ground Ugh. so the yeah. qualifications to be sent here were rather subjective. Like I said, no one had any clue what the brain was sure. like at the time. There was the people that were just locked behind houses. Like, oh, Uncle Billy's locked in the shed out back. We might as well just send them to Milledgeville. So they did that. Witches. You had the, the time period. Anyone who was a witch, you just, ah, oh, send yep. them out there. And then basically anyone society just wanted to get rid of yeah. would be sent here. It, it was pretty easy. It seems like from everything I've seen to like get rid of people at the time and get them sent to somewhere like this. And it, it's just horrible to think about. And, and the beginning days of the hospital really weren't the worst from what I could see. It seemed to be that most of the people who worked there cared and were trying mm -hmm. as hard as they could. Mm -hmm. And it grew pretty, pretty slowly up until the Civil War. So then around then, all that was happening, the nation's not really focused on an asylum or anything. And Georgia becomes pretty important, like battle state during yes. the Civil War. You have Sherman's March to the Ocean, which I'm not sure it's not really important, all the specifics of it. But it was a massive campaign where the Union basically just torched a lot of the stuff in Georgia. And they actually went through Milledgeville. But they okay. didn't burn the asylum. They burned a lot of the other stuff. Huh. There's like historical markers that generals were in Milledgeville. They put their horses right over there, but they didn't burn the asylum or anything like that. So in these early days of the hotel or <laughs> hotel hospital, <laughs> they um, we have you know the the normal growth things that come with society at the time they pretty seamlessly added women and started treating black patients as well um there were separate dorms or not even dorms like wards yeah. for yeah. for everyone but this i think this is probably just due to overcrowding which is a word you're gonna hear a lot of that's kind of tends to be the downfall of central state but comparatively at the time they were treated rather progressively well, and you have to think, like, what kind of treatment is Uncle Billy getting being locked in a shed in the backyard? So is yep. this really any worse or is it actually better than what he was <laughs> experiencing before that? Now, obviously, that's extreme because I know that in a lot of cases, people are sent here for very, very strange reasons that today we would not uh, sure. support, like, especially women, like, if, if they basically had their own opinions their husbands could say that they were mentally ill yeah and send them to places like this so that that definitely not but if you have you know uncle billy or this man on like chained to the ox car like yeah he certainly wasn't having a great life anywhere no there well there's definitely people that kind of did need to be in a place like this where there was no there was no shortage of stories that yeah. husbands that had their wife sent away or wives that had their husbands sent away and things like that so we're, we're going to jump up a little bit to 1915. There wasn't very much story from like the first 50 or so years of the hospital. Like I said, none of these records are public. Any records I found were from newspapers from the time. But a 1915 testimony from a former patient, Mr. Mills, sparked one of the first real investigations into the sanitarium, which is what it was called at the time. This was reported by the Macon Telegraph. He claims to have been subdued and put into Milledgeville by his brother uh, without reason. He said that they were starved. There was fights. There was a lot of people that weren't insane. 
and actually he stated that most of the people there were husbands that got sent by their wives. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm not saying that that's yeah. what it was, but that's yeah. what he said it was. Yeah. Yeah. There was one instance where one of the more wealthy patients was conned by a, by a staff member to sign over their entire estate and possessions for only 35 cents. Oh. And then all of these charges were later dismissed with no base. Huh. One thing that that's, there's a lot of times where charges have been levied against central state. They tend to not come to fruition, mostly because there's not a lot of witnesses and they just, there's not a lot of records. Mm-hmm. And, and if they have records, they're definitely not public. Yeah. I'm not sure if they do. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's, well, you have yeah. to wonder what the value would be of keeping records like that. They, they would probably get rid of them. Yeah. And, and it's, I'm sure now the value of that information is kind of high, but yeah. for a long period when this, this hospital was open, it wasn't, it was not important yeah. information. It was just, yeah. they killed a man. Yep. So this is, it. this is 1915. This is when one of the first real, like, this is the first time they're like, okay, this place might be bad. It's been open for a long time. It's been open since the four, 1846. And it, so that's 50 years yeah. of them being open, operating in those conditions. No, and that's just like kinda, 75 years. Yeah, they just got, and just getting away with it. Or not, I mean, I wouldn't like, Doing their just thing. operating under those conditions. But so, so we're getting into the early 1900s, which is when you get some mental health developments during this time. Uh, psychoanalysis, Sigmund Freud, all that stuff, early 1900s. Those are names that probably sound familiar to a lot of people. There was also some testimonies that were getting published from patients at the time that led to some attention. But then, so we're so we're improving conditions, right, in the hospital. Things are getting slightly better because of all this this work. Boom, you get slapped with the Great Depression. Funding significantly goes down. It's a government institution. The government has no money. They're trying to save the yeah. country's economy. Yeah. They're not worried about Central State Hospital in Milledgeville, Georgia. But this is also the same time population starts booming. You have the baby boom after World War II. So you're adding population and you're taking away money. And overcrowding starts getting insane. Deteriorating conditions in the hospital continue. Uh, And then one article from the Macon Telegraph in 1917 with an interview from the superintendent of Central State. Basically, there was all these bad stories coming out from the hospital at the time, and they wanted to know what was going on. So they talked to this guy, and he starts telling them that insanity is curable. Um, He starts throwing some ridiculous numbers that like 75% of the people that come there are cured, uh, which is not true at all. They had no (laughs) clue what insanity was at the time, let alone how to handle it. Then there was a quote that said, visitors to the hospital are frequently disappointed because they fail to see raving maniacs, but that portion of the hospital is small. Most are well-behaved and recovering. So apparently there was a whole tourism industry already coming to Milledgeville to see the raving maniacs, as he put it. Wow. But I, this is, this is a good excuse to keep people incarcerated because you don't show, like, you just say, oh, they're, they're there, they're there, they're back there, Mm -hmm. but there's 10,000 people back there. That, that they don't get to see there's no one that they get to advocate for them yeah yeah and there was another article from the same newspaper the same year that told the story of a man who is now in the hospital he was like this was like an older man who had wrote a letter to make a telegraph saying that he'd escaped from central state when he was younger there was a lot of like there's a lot of stories of this where patients escaped which i guess just goes to speak to the conditions that it was there he he had escaped when he was younger. He claimed to have been put in after he killed another man while defending his house. This this quote from his letter: 
During my absence, my home was desecrated, it being invaded by a libertine and robbed of his sanctity. The invader was unknown to me at the time and boasted of what he had done in the streets. When we finally <laughs> met and I adjusted the affair by a code of honor known to gentlemen. And he killed the guy. <laughs> um, it, it, this was in Atlanta. Apparently, it was like a big deal. Um, and so they decided to send him down to Milledgeville. He claimed to have been treated pretty well at the hospital. He doesn't say that he was abused or anything like that. He was known for, quote, artwork on his cell walls, which means he was just drawn all over the walls in his cell. And apparently, one day, he saw an opportunity to escape and did so. Uh, he didn't really offer too many <laughs> details on it. I I don't know. Um, but he followed this up by saying in his letter. So this is him from the hospital. He's like old. He's kind of trying to tell his story. Okay. Quote, I seek no clemency and have never regretted my act. My only regret being that I was compelled to do it and have written the above as though it is my dying statement and ask that you investigate in person or by correspondence. So he wants them to come and ask him about his story is what he's okay. trying to do. And that last line gives me a little bit of psychotic energy, like the okay. the no remorse, and he just wants to tell a story. Fair. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that yeah. sounds wild. So a few years later, in 1921, I found a different article from the Columbus Ledger. There was an alienist, which I'm not sure exactly what that is. It was a term that mm. they used at the time. I couldn't really find what it meant. Mm. But someone like, made do you it. think it had to do with aliens? No, like, with I think space? I think it means someone that wants to send people two asylums and things oh like okay okay <laughs> so the quote like the newspaper headline alienist makes startling statement that many people sit to insane wards should not be incarcerated there huh. there was not a single physician on the campus of 10,000 plus patients and, and it turned into just a dumping ground for unwanted people because there's no one to release these mm. people there's no doctors that can be like you're okay right right they're kind of there's a way there's an easy way in and there's no not really any way out oh so like this headline is basically saying that this guy made a wild statement that not everyone's supposed to be there. Like, that's that's the wild part, is uh -huh, that he doesn't uh -huh. think everyone needs to be there. That was the first time people were like, oh, maybe there yeah. is, there's normal people there, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And there was a common phrase that I think every source I looked at said that kids growing up at the time in Georgia, and I know um, my grandma grew up uh, in the South, and she said she had heard of Milledgeville. I didn't hear her say this exact quote, but apparently they would be told that if you were misbehaving, you were going to get sent down to Milledgeville. <laughs> and and uh, every source that I looked at said this. Like It, it was stories well. from, from people at the time. Um, and I, I don't know. Let's, I guess, sure, you, your kid's acting up. Just threaten to kill him. That's fine. Uh, just threaten Milledgeville. It was, it was a different time, I guess. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so in 1929, this is almost 100 years. Um, okay. They built the first hospital for patients. Okay. So I, I, I want to pause. There was no hospital before this, <laughs> like at all, right, for the 100 right. years. If there was any sort of treatment that needed to be done, it was yeah. just, just done in a cell or something like that. Right, right. So th this is like, I think, the creepiest building. Like when you okay. pull up, it's the one that uh, you'll see most of the pictures of online and everything. So, so mostly, mostly they would treat syphilis patients here, not oh. even for... Um, mental disorders but yeah. their ways so, so the treatment methods that they would use in this building it's called the jones building okay massive building with these big wings they would produce fevers in patients they would give them a fever and their theory was that it would burn away the madness but these are syphilis patients yep 
Oh. Well, but these are these are patients that are they're in there for mental reasons, but they also have syphilis. But they too. also have syphilis. But okay. their their idea that to cure mental they, they were focusing on the mental stuff. Um, right. I think the syphilis just kind of makes everything go a little faster. Sure. But they would give them fevers because they thought yeah. it would burn away the they madness, like how yeah. a fever burns bacteria or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And yep. that's not that's not how that works. <laughs> they called it malarial treatment. They would okay. give people malaria. Oh. They'd give people malaria. Wait, how do you give someone malaria? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. They just said they would give them malaria and uh-huh. they hoped that it would help and it didn't. They like all of these things were like there was yeah. no positive results shown from these tests uh, and everything like that. I mean, you got to give them credit for trying. I mean, do you? <laughs> <laughs> like like yeah, let's get this poisonous mosquito to come in and bite all them and then we don't have to deal with them anymore. That that's what I think. <laughs> they just know so little at that time. I mean, so. yeah. They, but the the other thing is, there's not a lot of doctors there. Like, there's no. there's a lot of staff. Yeah. Okay. Like, they're nurses. They're just nurses and like and like security that are essentially yeah. giving all of these people mental health care, and, wow. and it's just horrible. So in this building, you've heard, you've probably heard of lobotomies. Uh, yes. 121 lobotomies were done in this building, Ugh. and this is next. This is next to that like quarter building that I mentioned uh-huh. before. So, like I, I just mentioned, lobotomies were a big part of mental health at the time. Uh, yeah. If you don't know what that is, it's basically just they kind of just stab your brain. Like, yeah. like it's it's supposed to. There's supposed to be a science to it where like you you hammer in a nail into like a certain part of the brain that's supposed to fix it. It it doesn't. Uh, yeah. They're basically just severing neurons in your brain. That, and that's what they they knew they were doing that, but they yeah. thought right. They that thought that's help. what would cure it. Yeah. Well, because they've been trying all this other stuff, and they're like, I guess we might as well start poking at it, poking <laughs> at the brain, I guess. And um, so this was this was considered controversial at first. I mean, which is it still is today. Today it's considered horrible and torturous. Yeah. But this th- there was a period of time where it became mainstream practice. Mm-hmm. And the dude who developed it was given a Nobel Prize for making wow. for his lobotomies wow. techniques, which I was like, "What? <laughs> but, wow, um, that's wild!" And the Georgia Library stuff, that online exhibit, said all of this was quote, despite the general understanding of adverse side effects. <laughs> Well, I mean, think about every drug commercial you see out there and how it like supposedly helps stuff, but then they have to include 30 seconds worth of known side effects. Were the, were the dudes talking too fast to even understand what he's saying or anything like <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you have tummy aches? Take this. You might die, but it's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I'm just glad I haven't been stabbed in the brain anytime yet no kidding um they also started with electroshock therapy around this time which is the other big like torturous technique that they've used throughout history okay so so the the idea behind electroshock at first was they were trying to voluntarily give people seizures um because they they thought it was a reset because they there was patients that they would see that they'd have a seizure and they'd wake up and they'd be better like not yeah, not like better yeah. better but like a little bit better. But it changed something. So what they would do is they'd give these people seizures and then yeah. they'd try to like regulate it. Yep. And there actually is some merit to this. There there's some sorts of it's called electroconvulsive therapy today, but it actually mm-hmm. is still used 
um, and a lot of PTSD and major depressive patients, which I didn't know. I'm sure it's very, very, very different from what it was back then. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, but like the thought behind it isn't that crazy because no, you think I mean, about your brain's when, electric. Um, you're, you're... Well, yeah, and and when we de- defibrillate oh, yeah, people, yeah. like that, like resets the heart mm-hmm. rhythm. So, so like you know, when you don't know, it's not like the worst idea. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, your brain communicates on electrical signals. Like yeah. it makes sense, um, yeah. which is I'm sure that's the part that's still being used today. Um, yeah. But back then, patients were just given regular dosages of shots. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Basically because it was the easiest thing to do. Not because uh-huh. it was the most effective, but they had yeah. very well, minimal. Well, they probably didn't know what else to do. Yeah. So I mean, like, there, there was like, that. there was 10 doctors on the campus for mm. thousands, thousands of patients. And yeah. that was the only thing that they could be like, all right, just hook them up to the chair or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Um, they also started insulin shocking people. Which I I don't know as much about this, but apparently this is a different way of inducing a coma. Um, yeah. It's easier to guide it, so what they like overload insulin into your system. Jeez, I, I don't. It, yeah, that that's that that's something dangerous. that they they had some positive results at the time, but this is something that's not done at all anymore. Like okay. uh, like um, electroconvulsive therapy is still done in some extent. Like, mm-hmm. there must be some positives from it. Like, yeah. I didn't really yeah. see any of this. Wow. And this is all around the same time that there is those 25,000, 30,000 that died there probably died. Uh-huh. There isn't very many stories of someone who died during anything like this. Okay. But I'll get more into the, the cemetery later, but there's um just rows and rows of numbered stakes that are representative of everyone that died there oh and it's it's chilling so the next step in the hospital we get to 1937 georgia enacted a eugenics law that stated some people could give be given forced sterilization do you know what eugenics is i don't know what eugenics is i know what forced sterilization is though eugenics is the science of forced sterilization eugenics came from the nazis it's not i don't know what the hell was going on in georgia where they were like (laughs) so maybe they're on to something over there but this basically meant that they all of the patients anyone who they didn't think could be should no any no no anyone that the doctors didn't want to have kids they would forcibly sterilize them wow yeah they did this to over 3,300 patients during wow. this time period. Uh-huh. The the qualifications to be given this were, quote, if they would be likely, if released without sterilization, to procreate a child or children who would have a tendency to serious physical, mental, or nervous de- disease or deficiency. Okay. But when you start putting words into likely and if released yeah. into laws, yeah. that's that uh, that makes it very subjective and these people right. could you could just be like oh they're probably likely to do that and yep. they just leave them there and this law was in place for 44 years wow wow in georgia that's wild yeah and georgia sterilized the fifth most people in any state huh shout wow. out georgia shout out georgia it's man basically any any hope that these people had like they were just being it was being taken from them their freedom was already gone that was never really something that they had that's just horrible this is also the time where the hospital would reach its worst point of overcrowding there was a washington post article published on june 7th 1949 13 doctors from the hospital were fired so the story is that there was there was this guy, the, like one of the head doctors, his name was Dr. T.G. Peacock, <laughs> and him and 12 other doctors, basically 
So their story said there was 15 doctors okay. on the entire campus, okay. right? Yeah. 15 doctors for 10,000 patients. And 13 yeah, of them, including right. this guy, T.G. Peacock, was like, hey, we need more funding or we're going to quit. Okay. So they were fired instead. They okay. did the they did the Michael Scott thing where someone threatened to fire <laughs> or to quit, and then he's like, "No, you're fired." And then they get a severance package. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that's what happened. The doctors reported that the place was becoming a quote political dumping ground, and the ratio of doctors was 260 patients to one doctor. Jeez! Oh my god! So good good luck if if you're not crazy if you're in yeah. there and you're like even yeah yeah if you're mentally sound good luck in the ear of one of those guys there's 250 people yelling at him um and the nurses can't do anything and it it, Mm -mm. i just i that that must be that's like one of the peaks of like torture for me you just have to so then when they fired them all did that mean did they get new doctors or were they just like down to three doctors or whatever i don't know it, it, there wasn't really much information about it. It seemed to me like they just kind of made do. They didn't really care. And I, I just can't imagine the chaos that this place was Yeah. at the time. 1950. So we're getting close to when things start going downhill for the hospital. 1950 was an eventful year. Three patients died nearby after they escaped, mm. just like in the woods. One hung themselves with a bed sheet in their cell, like Jeffrey mm. Epstein style. All that. Mm-hmm. Um, a patient beat another one to death. I feel like that probably happened a lot. Yeah. There was there was other instances where staff were killed by patients. Yeah. And then the grossest story. We <laughs> we can cut this out if we want to. But there was there was a guard. There was apparently a girl who threw up. A, and employees like the nurses and security forced them to clean it up with a towel and then okay. eat the towel. And Eat then the towel that they just cleaned their throw up with, and the girl choked to death on the towel and died. Oh my god! And this was a ten-year-old girl. Oh my gosh! Wait, so there were kids in here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This there's whole pediatric facilities on this and everything. There, it's oh. it's just it's horrible. Wow. There's an interview later with someone who's worked there more recently that worked uh-huh. in pediatrics, and it's just. It's really crazy to even think about that that's something that goes on there because you like Ugh. to you'd like to not think about that part but yeah. it, it's just you'd the like to think that it. at least kids are being taken yeah. care of but uh yeah and then a 1952 book published by chief clinical psychologist Dr. Peter G Cranford um mm-hmm. had this quote Children were confined to metal cages. Adults were forced to take steam baths and cold showers, confined in straight jackets, and treated with douches or nauseants. Wow. One of the pictures that I sent you that we'll put up on Instagram um, yeah. is a child locked in a cage. I mean, it's it's there's only two pictures that I could really find okay. from like inside the hospital. And yeah. there's one of like a child locked in a cage with a doctor looking at him. And I, I just I mean, you don't you don't know the story of the kid or anything but that's it's just terrifying to think about that that was their best idea at the time wow and his book the title of his book i didn't get to read this book this was kind of when i was already way too deep into this and i didn't have (laughs) the mental capacity to deal with a book about this (laughs) the book is titled but for the grace of god the inside story of the world's largest insane asylum Um, oh i can't even imagine no i yeah Uh, yeah so, so we're in the 50s now, 1950s, okay. and then we get the first real shot towards reform at the hospital in 1959 when Atlanta Constitution writer Jack Nelson 
publish an expose on the hospital. He cited countless abuses. I'll get into a little list here. Some of the things that he cited. Nurses would do major surgeries without doctor doctors present. Physicians <laughs> had been given drugs to patients as test subjects from the pharmaceutical companies paying them to do so. There was not one psychiatrist on the premises. A quarter of the doctors had histories of alcohol and drug, drug abuse. And staff physicians had been hired directly off the hospital wards where they had received treatment themselves. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they basically, these there was patients. And if the patient was not insane, they'd be like, hey, you come out here and work on them. And the, I mean, they had been treat, been treating, been treated like shit in this place for forever. Uh, it's just, it's just making a cycle that's gonna keep going. Yeah. Oh my god. And this, um, so the hospital, this, this, I thought this was hilarious. The hospital tried to dismiss this article as communist loving, and <laughs> and the journalist, that guy Jack Nelson from the Atlanta Constitution, was given a Pulitzer Prize for his reporting, and it sent the yeah. long place kind of into its long decline that kept going into the two thousands. So the decline only got exaggerated by deinstitutionalization movement in the U.S. This basically just means getting people out of asylums and actually trying to rehab people. It's a okay. the concept is really good. Like it's a great concept, and the fact of the matter is that a lot of the people here were largely harmless, and they didn't really need all that much treatment. If anything, psychotropic drugs were introduced in the fifties, so that was kind of the first time or they, they weren't just shocking people anymore you could actually give people medication to help mm. with things it was very very novel stages of medication but it was sure, still yeah. a step in the right direction and everything like that this began to replace shock therapy and psychosurgery or lobotomies mm-hmm. and then jfk passed a bill in 1963 called the community mental health act that was actually one of the first pieces of legislator to work towards actually rehabilitating people okay but the bad side of this is that instead of sending people to facilities a lot of times they just get sent to prison instead uh which is right. that's that's the main problem today when you come to mental health mm-hmm. because the amount of people in mental care facilities is way smaller than those that mm-hmm. reportedly suffer from mental health conditions yeah oh wow yeah 1975, this is after the hospitals are already kind of going downhill. There's a landmark Supreme Court case I had actually never heard of called okay. O'Connor versus Donaldson. It was in Florida, reported by the Tampa Bay Tribune. Um, a Florida man thought that his neighbor was poisoning his food, and the state kind of locked him up and diagnosed him as schizophrenic, even though he had no history of violence or danger or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he was ju- he did He did have schizophrenia, like a minor form of it, but he didn't think that he should be incarcerated for it. Right. The case declared that the existence of mental illness alone cannot justify keeping someone in asylum. And so I I think that's because I could literally be in an asylum right now if that right, law right. wasn't in place just because you have a something slightly going on with your mental yep. doesn't mean that you should be locked up. And this was yeah. kind of one of those times. Well, this was a big Supreme Court case for Central State. There was a lot of people yeah. there that were just there because they had mental disabilities but they weren't they weren't killers they weren't going to go out there and just rip the community apart or anything like that and that they they begin to decline and the place averaged just a few hundred patients over this time a lot of the buildings begin to close because they didn't really need them to and this cycle continued until 2007 when another article from the atlanta journal constitution was published that reported on the suspicious deaths of 136 state hospital patients 
42 of them at Central State. So this is this is at a bunch of different hospitals, but this is a lot of Okay. So this newspaper's reporting that there has been 136 people that have been at these facilities that died and there's not really given a good exclamation. Oh. And so they're reporting that they're being abused and not taken care of by the facilities okay. and the US Department of Justice opened an investigation on the facilities and then for a few years they were kind of just twiddling their thumbs trying to figure out what to do and then in 2010 they announced that they would close most of central state okay um there is still a small secure facility for the mentally ill criminal defendants would be all that remains and that's that's all that's there today um 184 bed max security mental hospital and it's just kind of it's the only thing that still operates under central state's name but uh there there is like i said there's a retirement community that's still there I guess I'll circle back to that in like half a second. Okay. And it's guessed that there's over 30,000 anonymous patients buried on the campus grounds. Gosh. Yeah. The highest concentration of these is in the cemetery called Cedar Lane Cemetery. Uh, if mm-hmm. you look up pictures, this is the one that you're going to see. There's there's rows of tens of thousands of metal stakes bearing patients' uh-huh. numbers. Uh-huh. This is This is the picture that kind of puts it into perspective. So, so the story for why they're there is this whole place is a cemetery. They're not all buried there. There's not a mass grave that everyone's buried okay. under this, but rather yeah. they were buried all around this cemetery um, and these stakes were put above their graves. But then there were patients or prisoners who were, their job was to cut the grass of the, of the oh. cemetery. And yeah. the story told, this is the story told by, like I said, every source, they were, they just, picked up the stakes they just got tired of they thought it'd be easier to cut the grass if they just picked up all the stakes so they started sure. just throwing the stakes into the woods and oh my god and then like in the late 90s they kind of someone found 10,000 stakes just in the trees outside yeah. the cemetery because they were probably like huh we're probably not doing that bad there's less great right. sites here and then they were like <laughs> oh shit and I can't even imagine what finding that was like so they they thought the best oh way gosh. to honor them was to make this crazy display of just rows and columns of these stakes. Um, oh, that all wow. they have is the number associated with that person who died. Wow. Wow. So it's truly more of a memorial yes, at this point yes. than an actual and there's, this is a whole. There's a whole cemetery that you can walk through. There's yeah. some marked grave sites. Like you'll see random stones that those are the people whose families sent money to pay for them. Okay. But the truth, the fact of the matter is that m- most families just kind of forgot about the family sure. members that they sent there. So yeah. there wasn't anyone to support that. But there's there's some grave sites. There's a trail through the middle that goes up to this bronze angel statue at the end that was kind of cool. Okay. It just, it's a, the place is just empty. It just feels like feels empty. cold and empty and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's also believed to be around like 20,000 unmarked grave sites just scattered Mm. on Mm. top of like not on top of this cemetery but scattered around the campus like additional to the cemetery oh my Um, gosh and it's uh, so that's most (laughs) of the history of the place Uh yeah okay so that was a mouthful right that's a lot yeah so this, this was, I, I wasn't even really expecting to find this part. Okay. But I found there's a, like an hour long documentary online from the paranormal files with, you know, you got your clickbait screen. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll link this. We'll link this in the show notes. So the video is by a dude hoping to look for ghosts, but what he actually interviews 
two people, one of which is a senator from Milledgeville who has a very good account of like the government point of view of everything. Yeah. And then he goes to the cemetery that I went to and there's a gazebo there and there's like a okay. 15, 20 minute interview with they. <laughs> so, so the dude walked up, it's just like him and like, I don't know, like his uncle or something. And they walk up and there's this woman sitting in scrubs on the gazebo and they're uh-huh. like, huh. And then they just start interviewing her. And she says that she works at the senior facility that is still there and she used to work at central state before it closed so i can't i can't really ver like i don't know she could just be some woman sitting on a gazebo in scrubs you can go watch this video for yourself online (laughs) it's it's a little coincidental to me that she was there (laughs) but it it came out just like half a year ago now okay so it's pretty it's really recent and the woman's story was kind of she has some crazy things that she said but she has like an id and scrubs from the facility and everything. So, I mean, she seems, and she knew, like, uh-huh. she didn't hesitate when talking about things. I don't know. She either practiced a lot or she actually works there. Yeah. So the interview with the senator verified a lot of the information that I just kind of talked about. Um, he was very respectful. He emphasized the good efforts, but bad conditions, especially the overcrowding, which is true, but did not talk much about the abuse. But then you go to this woman's interview. Okay. So she she's been around to the hospital for forever. She had... Lots of instances of work of like hauntings and things like that. She had moved out of a house in Milledgeville because apparently ghosts were following her home from work and things like that. (laughs) So she moved houses and she had like kids there and everything like that. Okay. There was instances of work. Let me let me just get into this laundry list of things that she said was um, haunted events. And this is when she worked at Central State. There's patients in the other rooms. And she's hearing mm-hmm. all of these things. The patients are hearing these things. Her coworkers are hearing these things. They all just kind of right. like don't talk about it. <laughs> she right. would talk about hearing names. You like like yelling your name. Like someone would yell your name, or <laughs> uh, you'd get grabbed. Oh your hair would get pulled. The one of the craziest ones to me was apparently they just all hated going to the basement. They just wouldn't go to the basement mm. because that's where it was the worst. But that's where all their supplies were. So they just <laughs> wouldn't go get supplies. For the for the oh, patients, and this just led yeah. to neglect because you'd go down to the basement and you'd be getting yelled at by ghosts, and oh they gosh. just didn't want to do that. There'd be <sighs> stuff getting knocked around everywhere, appliances turn on and breaking things. All and these are all things that this woman claims to have seen firsthand. She's right. like, she's at the end. She's like, I guess that's about it. And the dude's like, what? <laughs> you just talk for like thirty minutes about all these paranormal things. And, that's it. <laughs> and and she's. She has all these crazy places in the hospital. So I I think that there's probably some sort of stuff like that. And this is also, the other thing is these are mental patients. They're probably yeah. messing with her in some capacity too. I mean, if you're locked in a cell, and especially mm-hmm. if your mental state isn't exactly good, that, that'd that be pretty entertaining to see someone freak right. out, I think, compared to just staring at a wall. <laughs> right. So I think that's definitely accounts for some of it, but not all of it. Good, yeah. She says that the stories are very like hush-hush. No one really wants to talk about them. And then Hmm. she would report all of them, but nothing would ever be done about them. And she herself worked mostly with children at the hospital, Mm. which is – she worked in a pediatrics unit of Central State that was open when it was there. And now she works at the retirement community that's like there. And she says – there was abuse when she worked at Central State, and the conditions still aren't great at this other place. Wow. 
And then you have the part of the video where the two dudes walk around looking for ghosts. Uh, they don't find any ghosts. The, okay. They're not allowed to go into any of the buildings. So they're just standing in like doorways, recording into doorways. Yeah. And it's okay. Uh, the, the most valuable part of the video was 100% the interviews the to me. Lady. Yeah. And then the other unique opportunity you can have if you're really trying to go see Milledgeville is there's an Airbnb on the campus um, wow. that was built in 1928. It's only $135 a night, and it has 4.89 stars. Wow. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that's, my gosh. I mean, that, that kind it's of, on the property? It, it's like, it's not... It's really close. I I tried to look it up. Okay. Airbnb doesn't show you like exact locations <laughs> or of where houses are for security things. Yeah. But it's it's right oh over my there. Gosh. Would you stay there? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, because like I do think this place is pretty cool. Like there's some cool uh-huh. story, but I, I'm not kidding when I say I just want to this place. I just want to stay away from it. <laughs> like yeah. And yeah. I. I, I want to kind of do this podcast so that everyone can hear the story of it and yeah. recognize that it's there and yeah. then stay the fuck away from it is what Never I Never think, think about yeah. it again. Because it's, it's <laughs> one of those things where the story definitely needs to be told because it's uh, the story is not being told in full capacity right now. Whether uh-huh. they have uh-huh. records of a lot of the things that happened there or not. Yeah. It's an important part of mental health history in the U.S. And yeah, for sure. Which that part I appreciate, but I I think it's cool to go explore like abandoned places. I don't think I would go into this place. <laughs> right. I don't know. I I mean, just the the energy there and everything is just so. Yeah, creepy. I mean, there's some things it's fun to explore. And these and the other thing, I can't that... even exaggerate how massive all these buildings are. They're huge. They're they're wow. massive. Like it's it looks like a college, and, and yeah. there's just all these buildings. There's a giant dome on the biggest one. And Mm -hmm. there's like churches and all these things you can walk around, but there are a lot of there. And then there's some that are still like in good condition. And then there's some that are like pretty bad. Then there's some that are completely like crumbling and it's just, it's, they're all right next to each other. And it's just really, really weird. Well, and I know you said that they were like going to be making a museum kind of right before COVID or they were working on it, but like, do you know what they're going to do with all these buildings? Like, no, that's kind of the the senator interview online that I watched. He was his uh-huh. biggest focus was like we're kind of at a crossroads on what to do with this stuff. Yeah, because you could yeah. either destroy them, right? Just to like. Well, if of, you want to save them, you have to save them before it's too late. Exactly. Like you said, some of them are just falling apart. But then it's like, what do you do with them if you save them? They're yeah. huge. There's so many of them. There, there's two hundred yeah. buildings. They're they're just. I mean, maybe they could make an Amazon warehouse out of it or something. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Milledgeville can make a pitch. That's how we bring down Amazon. We send them to Milledgeville. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't want to bring down Amazon, but. (laughs) I have some stuff from Amazon coming soon. (laughs) I need to to get that stuff first. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. I I don't think I would want to stay at this place. Yeah. I, I definitely don't like condone any of the going in there and or anything like that. That's one of the biggest things. There's there's like security that are everywhere about it. Whether it's because of the safety or they just don't want people going in there. Yeah. I think it's probably a little bit of both. Or both. Yeah. yeah. And because some of these buildings have been shut down since like the 70s. They're they're mm-hmm. really old, and a lot of them wow. have been out of use for forever. So I'm sure they're sure yeah. they're far from safe to be going through. There wasn't really any like specific ghost stories that i read other yeah. than the that woman's interviews 
the senator guy's like, oh, I've been here since 1960, and I've never seen a ghost or anything I can't explain, <laughs> but it's... Um, <laughs> then you go on YouTube and there's, there's a lot of people that have gone urban exploring and things like that. Sure. Uh, and it's, nothing's really conclusive, but I almost, it's almost just, there's like too much bad shit in one place yeah. that it's just like, I think it kind of represses everything else. I don't know. If you've got 20, 30,000 people that died there. Minimum. Like, minimum. Yeah. And, and that doesn't even include like the slave labor, the native mm-hmm. areas that were there before mm-hmm. the prisons yep. that are still around like, yeah. like it's a lot of wow. a lot of bad things happening in like one little area it, it it's just it's it deserves it deserves to be on the list of like shitty places in this country definitely not right. like not one of like right. the top ones or anything but it's almost right. just it's so routinely horrible it's just right. it's almost makes it this this uh symbol of like the growth mm-hmm. or of the change that happened in our country in that manner it, yeah it's incredibly noteworthy so yeah milledgeville georgia um <laughs> our milledgeville, georgia. That, who knew our charity um for this week is nami n-a-m-i georgia mm-hmm. it was the national alliance on mental illness i was i was just looking for a charity that had to do with more the underlying causes i don't know I feel a little weird actually donating to anything that's directly affiliated with this place only because it's so like, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if it's controversial and I didn't see anything that they were uh, taking donations. Um, The only thing I could really see being like a current progress was that museum. Um, There was like construction trucks there when I was Mm -hmm. there. So it seems like they might be getting back to work on it. Okay. Definitely wasn't open, but maybe it will be soon. And I'd be curious. Yeah. It said everything online said there was a lot of pictures from the time, yeah. which I would be, I would almost go back to see those because I only found like two online. And yeah. it's, I can't, the, the thing that really like this, this story drives home to me is just the biggest story is that there's no story. Like they're like, they, they kind of, <laughs> no one talks about it. Yeah. I don't know if they like burned the files or something. They might've, uh-huh. they like, I very uh-huh. easily could see that happening. Yeah. Especially like you said before, at one point, like you do learn a lot from doing things wrong. Yeah. I think this place probably has a lot to teach. And I don't know if I think they probably yeah. just don't want to like share things like that if they have it i don't even know if they do i think whether those records are ever found or not like we did learn a lot through a place like that and other places like it and i mean and it is open in some capacity today which could be part of i don't know if that's anything to do with why those records aren't public or anything yeah yeah but i could see that being a reason if 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 so, I'm well, not really sure. and well, and as as not back when it was built, it didn't exist. But these days, laws like HIPAA exist. Like you're not just going to release information on people's medical yeah. treatments and things like that. So I don't know if that is somehow protecting the records sure. too. Obviously, it it wasn't always. I don't know when HIPAA started, but it's not that old. Yeah. So, but that that could prevent it from ever being released. Laws like HIPAA. So. Yeah, very interesting. Except you would think if you can, if they're burying everyone anonymously, they could also give that information anonymously. <laughs> but I don't know. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> or it doesn't exist, like you said. They they've destroyed it, and there's nothing to release. So I I would love to see um, a little bit more open information about this place. It was a little hard to find some of the websites that I even used. Like that Georgia yeah. Library website was still a little hard to find. I only found it through like 
different news articles referencing it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you look it up, it's not something that comes up. You don't just. Yeah. yeah. The and those are going to be in um in the show notes. The mm-hmm. the I would the Georgia Library website's really interesting. There's a whole nursing program that apparently was there too that I didn't really get to get into. Wow. Um, yeah. Because the as the one of the things the woman said in that interview in that last interview I talked about was yeah. it was one of the biggest employers in the region. Okay. So it was yeah. kind of one of those things. No one wanted to speak up against boss because you right. should be fired. Especially when the conditions are that bad. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's even less incentivized to go and say anything. Right. It's probably not the best workplace environment, <laughs> period. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't even think about, like, all the people that just – that was just their job. Yep. And even like you said, a nursing school, that's where they learned how to be nurses. And that was the environment they were in. Well, I mean, I'd like to think that most of them showed up there with good intentions and yeah. like looking oh, to hope yeah. to do the best. But then like I, <laughs> the place probably just ruined them. <laughs> to, to well, be like I'm sure it ruined many. I'm sure it inspired many. I'm sure there are people yeah. who, because of that experience, did great things. Um, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. If, if that many people work there over time, you're going to have the gamut. Yeah. That same woman talked a lot about a lot of most of the people there are there for really good reasons. It's just the biggest cursory of this place throughout history was the underfunding and overcrowding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because as much yeah. as you're trying, that's just that makes it impossible. A lot of talk and not a lot of action. Yeah. Wow. Well, how do you feel getting all of that out? I I hope I never <laughs> go through Milledgeville again. Actually, that's that's not true. I I think I I think I'm always going to have a little bit of fascination with places like this. Yes. Mostly just I mean, I'm I'm a psych major. I have anxiety, all that type of stuff. I I like I guess yeah. I kind of relate to it or I think yeah. places like this have a really important place in um yeah. my identity and everything. Sure. Um especially since I've I think uh, creepy shit's pretty interesting. <laughs> and this place is kind of it's it's just a lot of it's a lot of things just in one little area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just kind of been forgotten about. Yeah, I mean it's it's only an hour from Atlanta. Like really, it's I can't I can't believe that like I never heard about it or went there because I mean I was I was like okay. a teenager you never in got Atlanta. Like get sent to Milledgeville. No, never. Either I was just a really good kid or <laughs> Well, my mom didn't grow up in Atlanta, so okay, maybe maybe sense. she didn't know about it. <laughs> so many of the things that I've talked about on here, I've been like, okay, it's very important and great, but it kind of sucks at the same time, and I don't sure. know how to feel about it. <laughs> Cuz like I I well, I mean, that's kind of the story of most places is they're going to have some good and some bad and even the bad is important. And, and, you know, I think from the, I I didn't do any of the research that you did, just hearing your story. Ultimately, I do think this place had good intentions. Oh, I mean, I, yeah, um, I think so too. And so that's, that's like lovely in a way. And, and yeah, they got it wrong. They got a lot of things wrong and a lot of things were really bad, but you know, there are people trying to make change and trying to find a better way to do things. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a little on the fence with whether I think that all of the intentions were great or if it was Mm -hmm. a little bit of just put it somewhere we can't see it. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a little, I'm a little torn on how much credit I want to give to central state. And That's and if fair. you and I've said it before, like I went there, you can just drive around. They ha- I have this this brochure 
of a whole whole driving tour that I took when I was there. Um, uh-huh. And you can you can like walk up to the buildings. That's not not allowed. Yeah. Like you can go look into the windows. One of the like first building that was made. That building was still in use until like 2010, and it's mm. just like it, it looks like it could be opened at some point. But then mm-hmm. there's others that I no one's been there for 40 years, and it's just yeah. it the difference between a lot of the places in the same area. Then there's like a subway down the street and things like that, <laughs> and it's just like ran. It, it's it's just so weird. It's <laughs> like in the whole area, I, I, everywhere that you go, you just like look at these windows and these parking lots, and it's just. Yeah. So many people's like lives were in the balances right there. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just a crazy thing to even try to comprehend. Yeah. Well, I can't deny that I'm probably, if I'm ever conveniently close enough, I would probably stop off and check it out. If I'm, if I'm, I'm ever around curious. there and that, and that museum's open, I probably will be too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. And also you went on like a cold and rainy day oh it was it was very it was very mood lighting for (laughs) this place it was like rainy and windy like if i got out of the car i was yeah i was out of the car for 30 seconds uncomfortable there is not a single other person i saw on this tour when i was there i mean i saw there was other cars driving around a little bit like i probably i was there for probably like an hour and a half two hours um and i probably only saw like five or ten cars Wow. And and it's just outside of town. Like it's it's basically like two twin towns almost where there's the you okay. have like the complex and then you have Milledgeville. And like Milledgeville's just a normal town. Like I mean, normal uh-huh. is a small town in Georgia, but then there's that place. And that place has all the big buildings in town. Like there's these massive like halls and just yeah. <laughs> look, look up those buildings. I, I just I can't really describe the scope great through just words like but it's it's just the horrors and everything that went on behind those walls. Just I I just I struggle to even really think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I definitely think um, it's time to burn your notes <laughs> and um, you know research something new. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'll be. I'm gonna try desperately to find something more positive. I've. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I always have been interested in these darker stories and everything, but I didn't realize. I, I mean, I'm I'm sitting in my house talking to my girlfriend and my roommates about mental patients that got killed in the 60s. And it's like, that's not fun to talk to anyone about. What? Like, I, just, I must be horrible to hang out with right now. Yeah, you need to research something more, more cheery. Yeah, something at least a good icebreaker. Not this. No one wants to talk about this. I don't even want to talk about this. Oh, man. <laughs> but it is fascinating and yeah. it is like important history. I'm sure I have no doubt I'm going to cover more stories like this yes. in the future. Or, um, of course. I mean, I haven't really been to a lot of places like this, but there is, um, I'm realizing as I get older, more places like this than I realized there were. Yeah, sure. And they're fascinating. They're they're just as important as the good places, just in the the opposite direction. And it's just, I almost, I, I think that's can be really important too. Yes, balance is good. Balance is good. <laughs> well, I, I I'm so glad to have this over with. Good. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think it. I think it's an important story, um, even if it has haunted you a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad we'll see. We'll see how my it. next few days are, and then then I'll get back <laughs> to you. 
Hopefully you feel lighter. I so. hope so. The, my shoulders have been getting a little less weight on them. Well, awesome. I loved it. I can't wait to hear your next story, but I will be telling yeah, the story yeah. next. So I'm excited uh, to hear hopefully that. everyone will join us for that. Yeah. Hopefully it's a little, uh, little lighter than this crap. <laughs> I won't, I won't give away a lot, but I guarantee it's lighter. So it'd be, I'd be impressed if it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, that's true. That doesn't really give away yeah, anything. You can't really. But no, for anyone that might just want to hear a lighter story, next week's story will be the definition of a lighter story on this podcast. So uh, check it out <laughs> for sure. Let's do it. I'm excited. I, I want, I, I'm tired of all the dead air of saying something horrible and it's just like <laughs> trying to comprehend and it. And there it is. Yeah. There's the terrible thing I said. Yes. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking about for three days. <laughs> All right. Well, it's over now. You did it. You did a great job. And um, now hopefully you can go enjoy your last couple days before your new semester starts. All right. Love you, Cam. Love you too. Bye. Bye.